Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. We love it. If you've got questions Feed about us. <laughs> Feed us. Please. If you have questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes... Please contact us. Two easy ways to do that, Father. One easy way to do that is by Carrier Pigeon. 523 North Duluth Avenue. Yes. And we have plenty of bird seed up on the roof <laughs> to replenish them and send them on their way. Or that away. The address is that away. <laughs> I don't I don't know that reference. Well, Carrier Pigeons, like, they don't know addresses, but <laughs> they point. Take this to 523 North Duluth Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So one easy way then carrier pigeon is to email us at uh, using the email address ignition at sfcatholic.org. That's I G N I T I O N at sfcatholic, S F C A T H O L I C dot O R G. You are such a good speller. And a reader as well, actually. There we go. <laughs> or you can tweet to us at uh, the Twitter handle sfdiocese as in Sioux Falls Diocese, with the hashtag Ignition to sort them out. S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E. Well done. I got that 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 rhythm to it uh, from Kevin Miles. Nice. D-I-O-C-E-S-E. So, rhythm. Uh, happy Holy Week, Father. Thank you very much. We're recording this a bit earlier, but uh, you're probably listening to this. Uh, if you're listening to it live or on the radio, even an encore... Or podcast promptly when we put it online. It is actually Holy Week, probably. Uh, or Holy Thursday in particular. Right at the beginning of the Triduum. I pray my Lent's been a good one. So do I. I hope I have persevered. Yes, exactly. So we're, we're entering today being Holy Thursday. Um, this evening, Lent formally ends at sundown. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. So, um, so it ends at sundown, or it ends with the Mass of the Lord's yes, Supper. yes. And there's a, a now deceased priest of our diocese, a, a holy older priest, and he was, uh, I don't know if he was filling in or he was still at this assignment. It was a place he'd been at. And he uh, got vested for Mass and came out wearing the wrong vestment. Oh, right. Yes. So he was wearing the, uh, still the Lenten, uh, the Lenten penitential purple. He was supposed to wear the, uh, the white uh, for the Mass of the Institution of the, of the, the Holy Mass. And, uh, um, his sacristan realizes it, and so he's at kind of the side of the sanctuary, out of sight from everyone else. He's holding up the white vestment like this, and the older priest is like, eh, okay, yeah, and kind of waves him off. And then uh, starts the Mass, does everything, goes over, pronounces the gospel, and then says, Now many of you here may wonder, when does Lent end? What ends right now? And he takes off the and Picks the sacristan the comes out and just gives him the white, just very calmly, like this is exactly what they planned to do without skipping a beat, and just went forward. Yeah, that way. That is that that, that is a great story. Yeah. Actually, ended at the beginning of mass, but it was right. uh, yeah. Much more probably ended with uh, vespers. Yeah, although if you're going to the mass of the Lord's Supper, you do not yeah, have pray, to pray vespers. Exactly. Vespers. So great, eating prayer. Go ahead. One of the great things I love about the the Holy Week 
Because for me, as a priest who's working hard during the Triduum with different masses and things like that, it's kind of a relief uh, that I know I don't have to do some of those hours that I'm vowed to do. Oh, right. I enjoy the prayers, and sometimes I've done them anyways, just I don't have to, but it doesn't mean I can't. Right. Um, but it's kind of a bit of a relief when all these other things are going on that I just I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So this is uh, unfair to you, and I know we could look it up, but do you recall? I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, so Passion or Palm Sunday? Purple or red vestments? Red. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, purple. Purple. That's why you said so. It is. So even the Holy Week begins in in red. You go back to purple for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because there's still days of Lent. Right. Yep. Right. Lent yeah. technically ends on Holy Thursday. Right. But but we were the red on Sunday. That's and why we, I, wasn't I think sure. we've done uh, a previous ignition episode uh, about the Triduum in yep. that way, and we talked about how well it's still not Lent. You should make those day, days yeah. of. Uh, uh, Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Yeah, it's it, just because Lent is over, it's still penitential. Yes. So, so uh, Father, though, you had a unique... So just because of the of this holy time, the holiest time of the year that we're entering into... It's uh, the most holiest holy time, time of the <laughs> exactly. year. That's exactly what I was thinking when I said it, but I don't sing as well as you. Um, we, we thought it'd be um, apropos to talk about a little bit about the Triduum. Triduum meaning three days, these holy three days, beginning tonight, going through Easter Sunday. Um, but you had a, a unique angle that you proposed to take that I'm, I'm really looking forward to us discussing in this episode. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're always looking for something to, some points to pray with uh, during this time. And um, and there's good things uh, we can pray with. I mean, of course, uh, just the liturgies themselves are rich and will take a lot of your time. Right. Um, when you go to uh, the Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper, go to the Liturgy of the Lord's Passion on Good Friday, when you get a chance to make a good confession or you go to, and you go to the Easter Vigil, maybe go to an Easter Mass as well on top of that. So, but uh, um, it would be some some things to pray with, or an image, or an idea to pray with, and the idea that kind of is in, uh, that I've been exposed to recently in reading on praying with is the idea of uh, Mary at the foot of the cross. Right. So, um, can we use the scriptures? Can we use our knowledge of church teaching? Can we use uh, the resource of saints who've gone before us to kind of wonder what went on in Mary's heart during that time? Right. For, as you said, for that to be a, a point of prayer, something that we reflect on. Right. And I think it's good to pray on that. And the church often talk. you know, why, why talk about this? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, um, Jesus told us to take Mary into our home. Right. Right. When he's on the cross, Matthew, or John chapter 19, Jesus says uh, to the beloved disciples, son, behold your uh, mother, and to Mary, mother, behold your son. And from that moment, uh, the disciple John took Mary into his home. Right. And so uh, we're called to be disciples that way to uh, to follow after uh, what Jesus tells us and to follow after John's example in that way. So we need to take Mary into our home. That's one of my favorite uh, phrases, by the way, for a non-Catholic Christian who asks me about why we devote ourselves to Mary. Right. Because we take her into our house. Right. Because I take Jesus house. seriously. Yep. 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 So, um, so that's number one. Number two, the church so often invites us to consider things from Mary's point of view in her official teachings. Right. Um, many church documents, many encyclicals end with some Marian reflection. Be, not, uh, this This might sound, I hope this doesn't sound <laughs> sacrilegious to somebody, not just because she's the mother of God or anything, but not just because she's the mother of God, as incredible as that is in and of itself, 
um, the church invites us to reflect on Mary, to see through her eyes, because she was also her son's greatest disciple. Right. She called him Lord. Exactly. Not just son. Yep. 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 And so, uh, and the church emphasized that, uh, emphasized that quite often. And that kind of takes us to that second point, or to a, maybe a third point, really, into uh, maybe the meat of this podcast. Oh, by the way, there'd be a fun little excursion, which I didn't prepare, and maybe you have some thoughts. If you do otherwise, we'll just leave it at this. But talking about Mary as, like, the true daughter of Israel. Right. Because that's one of her titles. Yep. I don't, is that the exact, just daughter of Israel? Daughter of Zion, I think. Daughter of Zion. Yep. yep. Right. And so in this way, Mary kind of carries out in her person a lot of the the faithfulness, the devotedness uh, that Israel was called to have throughout uh, the covenants. Right. right. And just to, this is to anticipate a little bit, one of the points we'll make later, she is together, the catechism we have the church points to um, Abraham and Mary as our models of faith. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, because that's in the section on prayer, isn't it? Uh, I, I can't recall. Yeah, I think yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. So I just that Mary being a daughter of Zion, a faithful, faithful Jewish woman, Jewish girl, Jewish woman, embodying that faith, going back to to the patriarch Abraham. Yeah, um, and again, oh, and we it'd be good to talk about his faith uh, in a little bit right. uh, when we talk about Mary's faith. Yep. So. Um, I, I have maybe kind of two ways, uh, listeners, for us in this episode of Edition to think about uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross. Number one would be uh, kind of in a pious uh, or devotional way. And then number two would be, uh, for lack of a better term, and I don't know if you have a better term or not, uh, Dr. Bergwald, but kind of a theological no, I, yeah, uh, I think it was good. vision of her. Yep. Okay. So like, uh, what does like piety or devotion mean? Just could you explain that idea well, that's a little a good bit? Question. Um, Wow. So I, piety is the, the the depth of prayer, the reverence, the respect. Those are some words that are coming to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the way in which we pray, how, how pious are we? Do I, do I really have that spirit of humility, uh, a, a spirit of prayer? I mean, if I just crank out the words, right. that's not very pious. It's a vain repetition of exactly. things. Exactly, right, yep. right. Uh, piety also carries with it, I think, the idea um, and devotion as well. That idea of a adherence to, mm. you know, to to be to adhere to someone or to something. You know, um, I think about you know a uh, a pious uh, son to his mother, right? Right, adheres is uh, adheres to what she says, to what she does, to how she thinks of things, right? Right. Um, and so when we're pious, we're trying to, in that way, adhere to God and the things of God and sure. the things of Christ in his church. Okay. Um, and then that devotedness as well, that idea of a, um, oh, well, perseverance certainly comes to mind, uh, that you're regular, you know, someone who's devout is someone who's regular in their prayers, who's constant in their prayers, right. who's not failing in their prayers. Yep. Um, so... Right, we might talk about then, so uh, a, a pious and devotional vision of Our Lady. And you should have piety and devotion in your Christian life, yes? Right, right, absolutely. Yep. And so even though Dr. Bergwell and I are often nerdy, how nerdy are we? I have no idea. We're very nerdy, though. We're we? very nerdy, We get into yes. details, we get into like minutia, we absolutely. get into like small details on things. Um, we're uh, Hopefully also we try to develop piety right. in that way. Yep. So um, just kind of one little pious invitation I would have for you. Well, I guess I'd have two of them. 
would be first of all, there's the the old prayer, uh, the Stabat Mater, um, which is often a song at the cross for station keeping. Yeah, it's often. Um, at least my parish uh, here in Sioux Falls, um, I think a lot of places, uh, the 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 verses of this are, are sung during stations of the cross between stations. Look what I just typed under the outline. What did I uh, see? I just was I was just going to look up the Stabat Mater, and you typed in stations of the I cross. Did, I did. I did. So kind of a second way. So the Stabat Mater uh, as one way to reflect on Our Lady, and the other way too is just the stations of the cross themselves, right? Which often include, as you said, the Stabat Mater. But let's go back to the Stabat Mater maybe, and just look at it. Um, by the way, does Stabat really mean oh station? I suppose, huh? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Stabat a Latin word for to be stationed, uh, to be at, to add a post in that way. And then, uh, mater, obviously mother. Right. Right. So, um, it's, there, there's many verses. I don't know how many actual verses there are, like 18, 19 or. There are a lot. Yeah, there's a lot there. there there's many, but it's, it's very beautiful. Again, stabat mater dolorosa, juxta crucem lacrimosa, dum pendibat filius. In English, at the well, okay, we should say this is a poetic translation to keep so because because it's often sung. Right. So this is not a strict translation from the Latin. At the cross, her station keeping stood the mournful mother weeping close to her son to the last. Right. So again, it's this. Um, it is a tender. Uh, devotion this way. It looks at the tenderness of Mary's heart in this way. And um, if you will, kind of the, the emotional, psychological things right. we might say in our modern day about about her weeping, about her sorrow, about how she's pierced uh, by the appearance of her son, uh, our Lord, in his, his tormented state. Not only physically tormented, uh, but also in the sense of his uh, being abandoned by his followers, being betrayed right. by the ones he came to save, uh, being falsely accused. All those things kind of come into play in the richness of the Stabat Mater. And so this would be a great text. And you can find it probably in most hymnals, at least in some form or the other, for you just to pray with during the Triduum. Right. Yep. So, um, again, this being Holy Thursday, maybe as you're listening to this, something that you could do any, or maybe each of the days between now and Easter. Right. Again, you're listening to Ignition, a uh, broadcast for the new evangelization desiring to launch your own efforts to uh, live the Catholic faith and spread it with others. And we're talking today about uh, devotions of the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross and uh, as something maybe to, to feed our triduum observance uh, uh, here uh, during Holy Week. Again, if you ever have questions about this uh, or future episodes or suggestions for us, do email us ignition at sfcatholic.org. And uh, you can also tweet at us using the Twitter handle sfdiocese using the hashtag ignition. Right. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm the uh, pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White and the director of the Pius Twelfth Newman Center in Berking. And I am Chris Bergwald, the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Or as I call him, the man who buys me lunch. <laughs> Just monthly. Just once a month um, when we record these. So, uh, and I only say that because the spicy peppers are coming back are to, to <laughs> give me a little, little acid reflux right now. I Off, suffer. Offer it up, Father. I, I, I suffer not very much. Um <laughs> So, good, this idea. And we can also then uh, approach 
um, the Blessed Virgin Mary through the Stations of the Cross, of course, because some of the stations deal directly with her in that right. way. Right. Um, and so that's that's another good way for us to uh, uh, to be able to pray during Lent. So what do you feel like devotional or pious uh, uh, approaches to the Blessed Virgin Mary offer to us? So I, I think it, uh, uh, if you just thought about this mm-hmm. superficially, quickly, you would, well, why? I mean, how much, like, she's seen her son being tortured and then crucified and dying in the cross. Why, what, what possibly could she be doing that I would want to emulate? In the, I mean, she's like, she must be mm-hmm. grieving and so on and so forth. I think that's true, but I think you know the point that you made during prep, um, what, what, answering this question was a great one. It offers us encouragement, right? That um, the that, that that even though you might be in suffering, you are not separated from God. Exactly. I think it's one of the biggest lies the enemy. Um, one of the biggest lies the enemy tries to feed us in our life, right? In that way. So, Father, just because I've been struck lately by one of the things that. Strikes me so so profoundly at t- sometimes more than others even about our Catholic faith is that God through His Son and in His Spirit is present to us in our midst in everything that there's no circumstance that He is outside of. So so one of one of the challenges and yet the joys of the Christian life is to be able to look for and be able to find Jesus Christ in every circumstance in which I find myself no matter how painful that and that's precisely what his mother did found her son in every circumstance no matter how painful and in that there was still a fun despite the, despite the sorrow the pain the grief there was still a fundamental joy and fulfillment beatitude which she experienced because of that you know i've often used that as uh you know i talked about our we talked a bit, a bit at the beginning about uh why we have mary in devotion mm-hmm. another reason as you just said there that she that she seeks and loves her son wherever she finds him right and if you're baptized and the spirit of Jesus lives in you. Where is Jesus? Exactly. In, in me. Right. And so you may not have a devotion to the blessed Virgin Mary, but she cares about you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Because her son is dwelling in you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I always like to try to point that out. Yep. All right. So, uh, in the, uh, oh my goodness, like the eight minutes we have yeah. left or so. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. Uh, talk a bit about uh, maybe a theological vision of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross. So again, the Stabat Mater offers us a pious and devotional uh, vision of the Blessed Virgin Mary at the foot of the cross. Uh, what uh, what theological vision can we have uh, from that? And so uh, could you maybe help us, as you did with uh, pious and devotion, what do we mean by kind of a theological vision of Mary at the foot of the cross? I, what does... I think there are a few ways. We talked in a previous episode recently, faith, theology is faith-seeking understanding. So when we look at Mary, when we see Mary at the foot of the cross, um, and theology is the science of who God is and what he's revealed, what does this tell us about God? Hmm. And what does it tell us about what he has revealed, particularly about who I am Hmm. and and, and the gifts that he's given to me? Yeah. So, and I think in this way, I'm taking from, um, I forgot to look up his name, the uh, founder of the community of St. John, um, uh, Dominique-Marie Philippe. Uh, he's a French uh, Dominican and uh, a theological author. He, he studied under my big hero, Reginald Gary Gouy-Lagrange. Right. Um, I don't know if he studied under him, but with him. He was a confrere of his. 
But it's a beautiful book about uh, faith, hope, and love in the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he talks about her at the foot of the cross. You know, and, and, and maybe you've never asked that question before. What sort of faith did Mary have? What sort of hope did Mary have? What sort of love did she have? Have you asked that question before? Have I, I, particularly with regard to faith, yes. Okay. For the reasons that we're about to get into. Okay. So, uh, and the faith is really one that I think is the biggest one to impact. You know, so what sort of faith did Mary have at uh, the foot of the cross? You know, uh, when was it? She believes that Jesus is Lord. She believes right. that, as the angel Gabriel said at the Annunciation, that Jesus would, uh, as a son of David, who would sit on the throne of David forever, and that he was a son of God. Now, when was it easiest, do you think, to believe that? When things were going well. Right. Like when the Magi showed up. With the gifts. Right. Or when they went to dedicate him in the temple and Simeon is prophesying yep. and praising him. Exactly. Right. And then the angels are singing. Yep. You know, over the birth. Uh, but there are other times where there was challenges. Right. Probably just even the life of poverty in Nazareth. Right. Um, and uh, then most certainly in maybe some moments of the public ministry, but then especially now at the cross. What does the Old Testament say about anyone who hangs on a tree? Accursed. He's right. cursed. Accursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. So Mary knows the scriptures, and so she sees Jesus hanging on the tree, right? And she'd certainly be, he would appear, Jesus would appear to her eyes, to anyone's eyes at that moment, to be abandoned by God and to be cursed. She, he's, he's been uh, tortured and now um, crucified, a, a, a humiliating mm -hmm. and horrible death. Um, and yet he is the Messiah. Right. Yeah, and so uh, in that case, what we can say about Mary's faith is it's being purified by God in that moment uh, to where it no longer has any, uh, any helps of her own reason, of her own judgment. She believes it not because it seems reasonable. She believes it because God says so. Right, right. In that way. And that's why I'm so happy you brought up Abraham. Um, we just read a passage from Abraham two Sundays ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Well, I mean, two Sundays ago now, but right. <laughs> by the time we were listening to this in the Holy... Uh, it was the second, second Sunday. Sunday. In the second Sunday of Lent, we read from Genesis year C. Um, Chapter 15, I think. Yes, where God covenants with Abraham uh, and says to him, I will make your children as numerous as the stars of the sky. And you always think of Abraham looking up and looking at the stars wow. of the sky, right? Yeah. But then, of course... <clears throat> What happens a couple of verses later? Uh, I don't know. It says the sun set. Right. Right. So Abraham's faith and, you know, Abraham believes that God will give him. Yeah. That's you're really nodding good. your head. That's really good. Isn't it? Yeah. I never thought of, that's not the, yes. yes. Okay. Do you, well, what? There's something else like the, oh. the, the sleep and the darkness and then the, the sun sets. Like there's a mystical thing that happens there, but I never thought about the fact that yeah. the sun was still up when he said, look at the stars right. in the sky. sky. I see the sun. <laughs> but but he has to believe God in that instance, right? right? right. And just right. has to believe God because he doesn't then, of course, have Isaac until late in life. Right. And then only has the one son. Right, right. But um, yeah, so Abraham, in as that way, as a type of Mary in that way, believing and trusting that God will do what he says. Even when it means the sacrifice of his son. Even when it means the sacrifice of his son, yes. Or her son, yep. in her case. Yeah. So Mary's faith at the foot of the cross. Also thinking of then uh, the Blessed Virgin's hope at the foot of the cross, right? Uh, hope is that God will do what God promises, right? Right. And but again, there's times when it's easier to have hope when it, when when the 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 promise doesn't seem unattainable, where the promise seems within our grasp or within someone's grasp. Um, 
But on the cross, uh, it would seem that the promised uh, hope is far from Mary's grasp at that moment and far from God's grasp. Right. In that way that uh, God will bless Israel and all the nations through Jesus. Right. But yet still she hopes and still she has faith in that way. And faith in God and what God says and hope in what God says he can do. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the love of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, at the foot of the cross, again, that she that she still loves God, loves God for uh, God's own goodness. You know, it might seem to her in that moment to think that God has abandoned her, that God has abandoned Jesus, that God has abandoned the fruit of her own womb. And yet she still loves God right. in that moment. Right. Um, and the thing that strikes me about all three of these, Father, uh, faith, hope, and love, Mary never had never, never sinned against any of them. Right. And yet, but she's taken deeper into each of them. Right. Even though she's never sinned against them, she's still being purified from, right. uh, be, uh, being allowed to have a purified faith, hope, and love. Right. And a chance to exercise that faith, hope, and love in probably the purest and strongest way any human ever right. can and ever right. will exercise uh, faith, hope, and love given to her by God. And that's where, I mean, the beauty is, so, so there were no impurities, if you will, and yet her faith could still be purified, made right. richer, made even more pure than right. it already was. And that way, um, not that there's impurity in the sense of unbelief or dis or, or a lack of hope or a lack of love, but there's impurity in the sense of um, uh, 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 having maybe uh, external supports right. uh, aside from the promises of God right. and God's own right. word and God's own self. Right. So what does that offer to us? Yeah, so how do we? How does this matter to me as we are about to enter in the truth of ourselves? Right. Applied th- for our ignition listeners. So I think, again, as we said at the outset, why would, we, why, would we, why would we look through the eyes of Mary? Because she is not only the mother of God, but also his greatest disciple. Yeah. And we are called, actually, to give birth to the word in our lives just as she did. In a much more real way, we're still called to do that in a more in a, in a spiritual way. Yeah, and so and so, how does this help you in that way? Give birth to that to that life of Jesus, the life of the Spirit in you. How does this image of Mary in this way help you do that? So I think by what we were just saying, I think you know, her, her faith, her hope, and love were always pure, and yet she was able to grow in them. And so, for me, whose faith, hope, and love are definitely Not impure. Pure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, inadequate, imperfect, I can still, and God still offers me opportunities, mm-hmm. particularly during this holy time, mm. to grow in all. all Amen. Of yeah, I mean, um, and that's part of the, the whole reality of Lenten disciplines and Lenten penances is, is the fact that, you know, God is often purifying us through them in that way. Um, and we... Um, we, we, we resist that we, we, we don't want it in some way. We're frustrated by right. it. You know, I know I am. Right. And so um, this, uh, you know, contemplating the Blessed Virgin Mary in this regard helps us and encourages us for that. Yep. So this, this holy time that we're entering into, look on the cross through the eyes of Mary and see how God deepens your faith, hope, and love. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.